Welcome back to episode number 180 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are discussing what's coming up in smart dust collection systems. We're doing that with Joe Haney, product line leader at Industrial Accessory Company, IAC, based in Mission, Kansas. Joe, welcome to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. I'm excited to be talking with the Industrial Accessory Company again. We had Tristan Trupka on the podcast talking about large dust collection systems for greenfield applications back in episode 174, just a couple of months ago. And in some discussions and some dust safety professional tickets that I had some discussions with IC on, I was introduced to Joe and we kind of started talking about his expertise and his background. Um, in particular, got started talking about the smart plant remote monitoring system that IC offers. I thought this would be kind of an interesting podcast topic, something away from safety, away from explosion venting and isolation and fire protection and all that good stuff. Well, we might touch on a couple of those things, but something that's sort of outside the scope of what we normally discuss that is important for folks that are interacting and operating with this type of equipment, consultants that are going in and talking to folks about their different options here. Um, OEMs and others that listen on the podcast. So I thought it'd be kind of an interesting topic to have Joe on talking about today. We're going to cover Joe's role in the industry, what he does with IEC, what is this smart plan system, what's it all about. And this is where we're talking about what might we look at for smart dust collection systems. What kind of variables might we look at? Can we give some examples of how this data would be used to run more efficiently, more cost effectively, potentially look at safer dust collection systems? You know, what what's this all about? And Joe's the guy to talk about it. So, Joe, I think a good spot to jump in for the audience is what's your background and, and more importantly, what's your, your role within IEC today? Sure thing. Yeah, so my background is, uh, is and always has been in uh, dust collection equipment. Uh, shortly after college, I had a job where I realized I was not making uh, a lot of money uh, and I wanted to move uh, into sales. So I became a salesperson in the industrial filtration market. And... Uh, kind of quickly fell in love with it and realized, uh, you know, this is something that is interesting. It's unique. Uh, so my, my background going back to last millennium was uh, at BHA or Baghouse Accessories. So for 20 plus years, I worked there uh, helping folks in really every type of industry. So in terms of dust safety science, a lot of them were obviously ones that had explosive dust like, uh, flour mills, food, grain, uh, but all, all sorts of different industries, anywhere where you're making a product that has or contains particulate, there's going to be dust collectors. And that could be large process related dust collectors like uh, the power industry, cement, uh, steel, or, or, you know, the bag houses where you have to be a good neighbor and just ventilate uh, your process, you know, something as simple as a wood shop or uh, maybe a mill or classifier, so really all over the map. And then uh, for a brief period of time, I worked for a different uh, bag house OEM. And for about oh, one to two years now, uh, I've been at IAC based here in, in Kansas, and uh, it's it's been it's been fun. So I chose to work in uh, air pollution control and industrial filtration, and uh, I like it. Love it. Well, yeah, we had some interesting discussions. It was a few months ago now because it took a little bit to kind of get the schedules to line up on dust collection systems, on the work that IAC does. Um, I, at the time, had, you know, Tristan lined up for this discussion on really, really large dust collection systems. And 
And he said, oh, no, 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 we do, you know, small systems as well at IEC and, and we do parts and, you know, the whole end-to-end kind of spectrum. And that's what got the conversation going about the other type of options here, like smart plant systems and that. So maybe just to kind of get out of the way, what what is the IEC smart plant system? What What is that and how does it work? So, so for bag houses, dust collectors, um, when we educate customers on how those work, reality is, is that in our industry, changes are not coming on a weekly or monthly basis. The principles of how bag houses and dust collectors should work are largely in part exactly the same as they were 20 or even 40 years ago. So the type of systems can, can change and the method of filtration can change slightly, but those are, are few and far between. I mean, rewinding the clock a little bit, you had uh, certain types of dust collectors that operated and cleaned a certain way. Uh, as manufacturing sites got bigger and bigger, uh, the need for bag houses uh, size, frankly, and capacity increased. So you saw changes uh, in those dust collectors, specifically reverse air bag houses. And then eventually, Oh, kind of like through the late 90s and early 2000s is when, at least here in the U.S. and certain industries, you, you got into massive multi-compartment pulse jet bag houses and, and really big bag house projects to the sense that even replacing the filters on the inside of them were effectively a CapEx product or a project due to, to how many there are and how expensive they are. So that's that's where I see grew was, you know, they're born ultimately out of supporting the aftermarket or people with existing dust collectors. You know, but going back into the 80s and into the 90s, uh, you know, we kind of responded as the need went, you know, grew for new projects and expertise. A lot of what you talked to Tristan about was the fact that uh, there's just a big need for large bag house projects and or the ancillary equipment uh, around it or even what they ventilate is, is something that I see can help with in terms of equipment design and, and drying equipment, uh, a lot of different stuff. But smart plant, where that comes from is, is there's still a lot of other dust collection at really almost any type of manufacturing site. So the intelligence and data acquisition and, and connected nature of, of large multi-compartment bag houses or critical bag houses you know, already exists in the form of, you know, a plant PLC or a central control system. For smart plant, there's just a lot of bag houses, say, up on a silo or somewhere remote in a fuel yard or uh, a difficult part of the plant to get into or, or even just something that just is small and frankly requires uh, a, a very small dust collector. Systems that essentially are not connected to a central control system. Uh, now we're getting to the point where we're, you know, kind of merging some of the smart plant control systems with existing and or PLC type systems. But to your question, what a smart plant system is, is taking effectively what is the control system for a, a local bag house and getting into that IOT or Internet of Things, Industrial Revolution 4.0 for connected dust collectors. Traditionally, uh, take, for example, you have a bin vent dust collector on top of a silo collecting cement dust. Uh, that bin vent traditionally is one that you would have to physically go to to get kind of a status update, find out 
what its pressure is, uh, is it operating, <clears throat> are the filters cleaning, uh, is it emitting, those types of things. Uh, so what the smart plant was born out of was, hey, let's, let's take all those same criteria that we know about for a bag house and, and how well it's going to operate, and let's deliver those measurables to a central portal, something that you can view uh, on the internet, uh, view on your smartphone, and let's get into some territory where we utilize that same system to put in, say, notifications uh, for if and when your plant personnel is going to have to address something about the way that bag house is working. Uh, so that, that's where it started and where it's been. But we've, we, we haven't stopped there in the sense that we know any bag house, if and when it's going to fail, there's a very limited number of reasons as to why. And so with SmartPlant, what we've done is kind of expand beyond, say, just a control or visibility of the bag house and gotten into other uh, things that uh, through a lot of the plants we've helped uh, design and build, we want to track whether that's, say, temperature, uh, humidity, motion, vibration, uh, you name it. All, all those things are, are things that a lot of plants and personnel are interested in but may not have the capability to measure it uh, as of today, or they may not have the interest in the cost to hardwire in systems, traditional plant PLC systems uh, to those bag houses to get those measurables. So the smart plant's a nice way to uh, kind of get you that data, uh, get you that visibility, uh, but hopefully do it in a way that's uh, cost effective, but also uh, something that's actionable uh, for the folks that are going to use the system. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I, I pulled out kind of five key points around this. So you, you talked about in terms of dust collection systems and size, you know, it could be very small local systems on a piece of equipment or very large fully integrated systems that are, you know, site-wide. So there's like, there's five different things that I took that could kind of come up. So remote, you know, the system could actually be physically far away from where people are located. It could be large, involving many different pieces of equipment or, you know, many different connection points, many different information points. There could just be too much information. So imagine if they are large, far away, interconnected, and then you were able to have a gauge in front of your, you know, in front of your, your vision that showed them all. It would just be too much information overall. Having multiple control systems. And then also real time. So, okay, you can go to measure the thing using uh, your, your instrumentation, but you know, what does that mean in a, an hour from now or a day from now or a week from now, you get to go keep measuring that. So those kind of five areas, remote, large system, multiple inputs, too much information, multiple control inputs, and then the ability to real time are all some of the challenges that come up with why you may want to look at what, what uh, smart plan is really a cloud-based control system for these dust collectors. Is that, is that a good kind of summary of the different challenges that come up and then, you know, what, what we're looking at with this type of system? Yeah, absolutely. And especially the one that you said um, with the information overload, uh, we refer to it as alarm fatigue. So at a lot of plants, uh, if you get alarm fatigue, because something tells you 20 to 30 times a day, it's say over its pressure limit, over its temperature limit, whatever that might be, uh, you know, the, the chance is that might become something that you tend to ignore because it, it starts to feel like a low value notification. So it's kind of hard to talk about this stuff because, you know, when, when you ask her the question, well, what is it? You know, physically what it is, is nothing all that exciting. It's it's some hardware. It's, uh, uh, you know, some some 
printed circuit boards. It's, it's, you know, boxes that have some, some, you know, diagnostic equipment inside of it. It's really what it does, which is kind of what you just touched on too. So take one example, say differential pressure. Our customers tend to want to attack their most problematic bag houses first with this technology. So they have a, a bag house, it has a control board, it's, it's cleaning, it's functioning, but it's something that they get a lot of maintenance work orders cut for. So that's typically one that we go after first. Well, there's a chance that when we put that in and say differential pressure across the dust collector is the problem they're trying to attack. You put this system in, well, you're going to know pretty quick that it is running at a high differential pressure frequently. So we have to decide and we can augment the system and the notifications to say, okay, let's maybe notify a limited number of people when it hits a certain pressure point. So they're aware they can maybe take action. If it goes above that, say, say that low point is six inches, uh, maybe at nine inches of differential pressure. Well, that's when you let a broader notifi- a group of folks notify uh, via notification uh, uh, on your smartphone, text, email, whatever method you end up choosing uh, that you've hit that higher level. Because we don't want to, again, give them fatigue from, from this type of system. We want the notifications to lead to intelligence, something after you know three months, six months, a year of being installed. We've been able to start, uh, you know, looking at that data and analyzing it and determining uh, if and when you need to be notified. Uh, You know, one specific example, without getting into too many specifics, uh, a customer was repeatedly having high differential pressure issues on a bag house, and they weren't quite sure as to why. Uh, all, All they knew is that these guys at the plant way more often than they should be, we're having to get inside the bag house because the filters were crushed. They had to change them out, put in new ones, button up the bag house and uh, get back up and running. Once we had a, a, a controller on there that was uh, connected to the internet, uh, sending data, giving them visibility they didn't have otherwise, uh, they realized that it had to do with their their fuel mix for this specific application was coming from multiple sources. And, and you could just say that uh, uh, there was a certain provider that when it delivered and was conveyed through this, this bag house system, uh, it, was, it was dirtier fuel and just shot up the pressure readings uh, a lot quicker than what they were used to to the point that the bag house would fail. Once we had that visibility, we were able to prepare. You know, we, we knew that that fuel delivery was coming. We would be able to either augment the bag house cleaning system, you know, lower draft as, as far as we could within the bag house system while maintaining, you know, the carrying velocity we needed in the duct work. Just a few steps to go through to, to eliminate these terminal failures of the filter. And there just wasn't a way to do it until we had that connected visibility of the bag house we got through the smart point system. Yeah, it really gives you the eyeballs into being able to see from a process perspective, right? Like you can go and do a measurement, but to actually see the data over time, whatever the data is, differential pressure or whatever it is, and start to, I don't know, it's like, it's like you go to the doctor's office and they, they take your blood pressure. Well, that's great. But imagine if they had your whole week's versus worth of blood pressure and they do that, right? We'll send you home with a little notebook and say, yeah, I might be I might be revealing too much, but yeah, I I I have to go to the doctor every once in a while for something, you know, high blood pressure, whatever it might be. And uh, imagine a doctor's appointment where they didn't do that. 
or they, if you went to your annual physical and they didn't put the stethoscope on your chest and le- listen to your, your breathing, you would recognize that and you would think that was kind of weird. Well, differential pressure or certain readings on the bag house are the exact same type of thing as, as that doctor's visit, looking at blood pressure or uh, listening to your chest with the stethoscope. The differential pressure gives you that same snapshot of how that bag house is working. And to your point, Chris, you know, a lot of our customers, there is someone who physically has to go get those readings manually. That, that is a tried and true practice. And whether it's the permit that requires it or whatever the corporation is that owns that manufacturing site, there likely is someone who is physically going and looking and writing down those measurables on a daily basis. And that's where we get excited is, okay, instead of doing that, let's take this rolling average and this, this you know, visual map we have of that same performance parameter. Let's deliver it right to your computer. Uh, and let's give you the ability to export that and track that same information uh, instead of physically going out and making that walk. Uh, now, some of our installs, they're, they're doing both still, uh, you know, not necessarily trusting all the data first. But the longer it's installed, the more you're validating it, the more you see the same readings on that clipboard written down by hand, uh, as you're seeing in, uh, in our portal view as well. Uh, so. Now that guy at the plant is free to go do something else, right? The comments we see from our customers is that that guy could be working on something else. He probably has the expertise to fix something more critical or or spend his time in a different way. And in a small way, that's what these simple little smart plant uh, installations are allowing them to do is, uh, hey, you use what you're seeing right in front of you, use the data and take the time that you get back to go work on something more critical at the plant. Yeah, I like that. And I think your example really pointed to efficiency. The way I kind of think of it is efficiency and I'd say, yeah, efficiency and effectiveness. So efficient effectiveness is sort of your first example rather. So the system, high DP, they didn't know why, high differential pressure, they didn't know why. They did the analysis to determine that it was because of the material coming in. They were able to actually change their, their standard operating materials for that material coming in have more effective system on the flip side, having a more efficient system, you know, maybe you can reduce the, the number of times you have people going out to those piece of equipment. If it's only one, that's fine. But if it's a whole day, the guy's got to go and, 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 you know, go all different pieces. Then you're also getting more efficient at the end of the day. And like you said, that individual can do something else more useful with this work. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to close the loop on this doctor analogy. So you made a great point. So if you don't do any measurements, well, that would be strange. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pick a I'd pick a different doctor at that point. <laughs> yeah, if you had if you had measurements over a period of time, you write them into a clipboard, you bring them in, and then he looks at it. Okay, that's that seems better, and that's kind of what we're getting towards. But imagine if he had access or she had access to the the data beforehand, could look at it for five minutes, and you show up, they have a plan. <laughs> that's the the other side of this is the data is available in real time, can be analyzed. Um, it's not really like doing a checkup anymore. It's kind of more uh, being proactive, I guess is what we call it, moving away from prevention activities to to be more proactive in what we're doing. You mentioned a number of kind of things we might measure here. Uh, one is try to make a list because I think it could be interesting for folks that are listening to the podcast, whether they're OEMs involved in industrial ventilation themselves or if they're selling other types of equipment or if they're consultants 
or if they're end users uh, or, or regulators or investigators, whoever's listening to podcasts, we have kind of a range of those folks. We know about differential pressures being one thing we might look at for a dust collection system. Let's try to give some mind triggers. Like when they're when they see a system, what else could we be measuring? You mentioned for failure points, you might be looking at temperature, moisture, vibration, humidity. What what other things do you commonly see with your customers that they might be looking at using this type of smart system? Yeah, all the ones you just mentioned are really good ones. Um, in the broadest sense, you know, when we talk about this technology, the broadest way to look at it is is frankly any analog or digital signal um, that you would consider tracking at your plant uh, is an option on a bag house. Most recently, we've made a lot of inroads with looking at a, a smarter way to wirelessly track. Uh, static pressure. So we talk a lot about differential pressure over a bag house, but we also uh, like to look at static pressure. And specifically, I'm talking about pulse jet dust collectors and the fact that uh, any pulse jet dust collector requires compressed air pressure to clean the filters. If you can't clean the filters, pressure will continue to climb and you will lead to some sort of terminal failure of that bag house. It is not uncommon for the reason that that occurs is there's some type of failure in the cleaning system for that bag house. And again, that, that may be something that you only traditionally can see uh, one of two physical ways, visually going and seeing it or audibly being near that equipment and hearing the hissing of a failed diaphragm valve or the fact that a diaphragm valve does not fire and you don't hear that pop uh, when you should. Uh, again, both of those require you to be uh, local to that equipment. So if we can track static pressure, uh, the chances are that that is going to eliminate a lot of failure modes for that back house. We have some other installations that uh, are now monitoring vibration uh, on a fan or a fan motor. There's some very known parameters depending on the horsepower of a given fan on the back house system that if you exceed a certain vibration level, you should not expect that motor to last on that fan. Uh, so if we can add that to the suite of the install, you're gonna be running a lot smarter. Then you start to think, okay, well, what else? We can look at fan apps. We had one recently where we uh, tied in a level detector uh, in the hopper of a bag house. Uh, it was a bag house where physically when we were at it, um, uh, the, the limit switch was locally telling them that the uh, rotary airlock was no longer functioning. In this instance, I'm thinking of it just so happened that uh, something got into the airlock that jammed it up. They had to get in there. They had to clean it out, pull that thing out. Well, if we can tie in the, the limit switch on that airlock to something to send a message right to your pocket on your smartphone, you're going to know before that situation gets out of hand. And then you really start to think, well, hang on, what else? You mentioned some of them. Incoming temperature to a bag house. Is it out of control? Could that actually benefit you for say the crusher or the mill or the classifier or whatever that's ventilating uh, with the outlet temperature uh, on that system as well. Humidity, the reality is, is that bag houses, uh, a name for them frequently is dry dust collection systems. We're not talking about wet scrubbers or mist collectors. We're talking about systems that want to collect effectively dry particulate to keep it from going into your plant or out to the atmosphere. The reality is, is that a lot of bag houses are ventilating equipment that is designed to drive off moisture. Uh, so that moisture inevitably gets into the bag house. So if we can start to track 
humidity levels, once again, if the goal is to stay out of that bag house and make the filters last, that's a good thing. Chris, I have to dumb down stuff for myself to understand them. And the reason I say that is there's really three categories as to why a dust collector is going to fail or the filters are going to fail. And that's thermal, chemical, or mechanical. So those are the things we like to keep in mind in regards to what we want to track with smart plant in order to improve plant performance. So if it's if it's temperature that's of concern, let's look at that thermocouple leading into the bag house to make sure we track it. Uh, if it's chemical, that might be something like a humidity sensor in the gas stream uh, to make sure you're not going to say flirt with the dew point of that air and, and cause some sort of reaction in the bag house that allows uh, water droplets to form. If customers have a good grip on those two things and they're operating well, eventually you're going to get into the topic of mechanical failure. Uh, and I always equate that to uh, car tires. If you have 50,000 mile tires on your car and you've ran those up to 53, 54, 55,000 miles, uh, you should expect those to mechanically fail at one point. They will not last forever. And filters inside a dust collector are really not all that different. Cleaning filters ages filters. It's a very violent action in a pulse jet dust collector to clean those filters. What that means is that the more we can do to minimize cleaning cycles inside a bag house, will help you avoid mechanical failure as long as possible. Uh, we shipped the bag house recently within the last month to a customer and just say generically, they have say 12 bag houses at their site. All 12 of those bag houses clean on what's called time. So they operate the bag house, it's pulling a draft. The cleaning system is set up to just simply fire off a cleaning cycle every X number of seconds. And as soon as they recover manifold pressure, they're going to clean again and they're going to stay in that cycle throughout the whole operation of the bag house. That's fine. It will likely keep pressure uh, pretty low in that bag house. But if the goal is to make the filters last and stay out of the bag house, it's not ideal simply because that dust collector may not have a need to clean as frequently as you are. When it shipped out the box, it was set up that way. And we saw, you know, that their cleaning cycle were firing off 100, 1,000, 10,000, 20,000, really after no time at all. Well, we got a hold of them and we convinced them to change it to cleaning on demand. Uh, so now what we're doing is utilizing the bag house pressure to uh, determine when it should clean. So pick a number, say five inches of pressure. We wait until we get to that point. And then that's when the cleaning cycle kicks on. But then you also have a very narrow window of when that's going to clean. So if we get even a half inch of reduction of differential pressure across the bag house, stop cleaning. Wait until you get to your high set point again and then clean again. And what's amazing with that smart plant system is what I'm saying to you, Chris, is the same stuff that I said 20 years ago. The, the advice is the same. But now we can, with that bag house, point to a graph and say, look, I'm not blowing smoke here. Look at the difference. You can watch the cleaning cycles just drop by 80, 90% in this example, because they're not required to maintain that pressure. 
Uh, and it's really cool to show that to somebody and say, you know, look, this is what can get you through another campaign in, in, at your plant. This is what can extend that filter life, life out maybe another year. And that's where it gets kind of fun. You know, e- even your customers and your, or your you know, folks that, that end up on your website, you see it all the time. I mean, thermal conditions, whether it's a fire or an explosion, it happened weekly, multiple times uh, throughout the U.S., some of that are systems that aren't related to dust collectors, but there's got to be indicators on a lot of those of what those thermal conditions are leading up to that upset condition. Uh, so if that's something you can have more early awareness of, uh, then everybody wins there. Uh, even some bag houses, uh, when we've put uh, burst panels on there for explosion mitigation, there is that relay sensor that, you know, maybe it is wired into a plant PLC, maybe not. We've seen examples sometimes of a bag house maybe having a thermal or explosive condition that is enough to release the burst panel. But again, visually, it may be in a spot at the plant where you can't see it. Uh, and it, it is possible that someone could have an explosive condition and not be aware of it for hours, if not days. So even something as simple as tying in that relay output from a burst sensor uh, is going to give you immediate immediate notification that you've had that type of uh, condition occur. Well, it makes a lot of sense, right, to get that point where you are tying all your systems together as as we move towards cloud based or, or you know these smart plant systems to have that that dashboard. <laughs> it's like if you're driving a Ferrari, right? You really want to have all those or an airplane. We'll say you want to have all those gauge in front of you, so you know which of the critical ones are. While keeping in mind that you need good policies and procedures and training to make sense of those gauges. So we don't have information overload. That's probably not great if you have an alert firing off every, every two minutes for the entire day. And one out of a hundred times that alert is really, really, really important. <laughs> that means it's not going to be captured that 100 times. Yeah, exactly. All these things have to be actionable. Uh, you have, you have to be able to take action on these notifications. Um, so, you know, some of that is, is once it's installed learning, you know, what, what those parameters need to be. Some bag houses are, are perfectly fine operating at eight, nine, even 10 inches of pressure. There's other bag houses where if you were to run at 10, 10 inches of pressure, you know, not only can you not properly ventilate your process, you may actually be violating your, your local permit as well. So each one is kind of unique uh, and each one's, you know, customizable depending on, uh, you know, what the goal is for the customer. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And we covered, so we, Covered a lot of ground in this episode. We kind of closed out here with this idea of okay, well, we we had the smart system. We could tie into other smart systems in terms of our fire and explosion protection systems and and others. What what other kind of new innovations are are being developed in this space? Anything that the audience should keep an eye out for uh, moving forward in terms of of these sort of smart systems in relation to dust collectors? Yeah, the goal there is, I think, to make things um, you know cost effective to to you know. If you have a static pressure gauge, a differential pressure gauge, the goal should be to have that be something where it's attractive to try it, uh, you know, because it's not, you know, it's not a CapEx project with some sort of uh, centralized PLC. You know, the other goal and when people are more willing to bite off on it is uh, the, the simplification, simplification of installation. So if we can go, quote unquote, wireless with what we're trying to do that makes everything easier uh, w- with those installs. So uh, some of it's that, some of it's time. Uh, so you can start to analyze the data of those individual systems to kind of 
expose when there's problems and even say, you know, again, dust safety science, you know, one customer in particular in their industry had a lot of frequent thermal conditions that could even lead to power loss. So uh, learning from installs to install, you know, other, um, you know, design of, of the, the internal software, I guess you could say, uh, to even notify you of, of things beyond what we didn't think of. Um, so wireless is a big thing, you know, increasing the output as far as what notifications or, or measurables is tracking are, are the biggest things that uh, are, are coming forward in the next year. Makes a lot of sense. Well, look forward to the chance to get you back on the podcast to, to discuss those enhancements, Internet of Things 5 or, or whatever the next one's going to be, 6. I don't know which number we're on now. <laughs> um, but it's it's an interesting and constantly changing world layered on top of something that's, like you said, hasn't changed much in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, which is the the core principles of, of dust collection systems. So it's kind of interesting to see how those options give us more approaches. You and I will probably ride out our career within the industrial revolution 4.0. If 5.0 comes, uh, I may not be ready for that. (laughs) There you go. Okay. Well, we'll close off there, Joe. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm appreciate the work IAC does. And also just, you know, appreciate you giving us the time to talk through this topic a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, thanks for what you do, Chris. I really find uh, a lot of the information on your guys' website to be uh, beneficial and interesting. Uh, It's a good resource. I think people need to have something like, this topic centralized. I mean, the requirements for what folks have to do on explosion mitigation uh, at their plants is, is, you know, kind of going in both directions, both for new equipment, but uh, the need to retrofit uh, existing ones. So we get a lot of requests like that. And it's good to have, um, you know, a central place where folks can find a lot of those, those answers like what you do. So appreciate your, your work too. Uh, Thanks so much for the kind words, Joe. And I look forward to a chance to get you back on the podcast in the future. Sounds good. Thanks. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Joe Haney, product line leader at Industrial Accessory Company, IEC, and he's based out of Mission, Kansas. We're talking all around this topic of smart dust collection systems, uh, what's available today, what's coming down the the pipeline in terms of the solutions and things you might be looking for here. So we, we kind of start off covering just broadly that there's a lot of different dust collection systems from really small to really big to, you know, only a couple of bags to many, many, many bags only taking a couple of minutes to change out to taking, you know, a whole CapEx project to modify or change out the bags on the system or whatever it may be. And coming up with something to try to address these multi-challenges, you know, has, has been interesting over time. It's also been an industry that's really been quite similar for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years as these systems continue to develop. So we have these smart plan systems, this kind of cloud-based approach to monitoring and understanding what's, hap- what's happening with your dust collector. We started around, you know, some challenges come up. So five challenges, remote systems and maybe far away from operators, maybe many different inputs, many different units that are scattered throughout the site, many different control systems for those many different units. Too much information can be a big challenge. Uh, and Joe pointed to alarm fatigue, uh, depending on how you're have these systems set up and what kind of alarms you're looking at. And then just the ability to real-time monitor your data. These are all sort of five challenges that come up pretty routinely in industry and in that at least having this sort of smart dust collection system or this cloud-based system starts to address some of these challenges. We sort of broke this into three categories. And I made these up as Joe was talking to kind of break things down a bit, sort of the preventative approach. 
And so preventative includes sort of, you know, safety features, includes uh, effectiveness, includes efficiency. And we talked a lot around the preventative. So what kind of variables we look at, we talk about thermal, chemical, and mechanical being the main failure modes. Might be looking at temperature in the device or temperature in the, the dust collector, humidity, moisture content, differential pressure, vibrations. You know, some of these are replacing the old go listen to the thing and, and see what sounds it's making. And, and you can tell the health of it by that state. That gives you some ways to tell if your system is going to fail or is close to failure or, or already has failed, I suppose. And that's a key in the safety perspective. You can either have a dust collecting system that is installed incorrectly and not picking up the dust to begin with. That's not great in terms of combustible dust safety. We can also have a system that was designed correctly, installed correctly, it's working well. But over time, that's going to drift away from working so well. If that's allowed to drift too far, then you can have a, a chance where a combustible dust fire explosion issue can build up. So that's sort of one piece of the puzzle. I did promise at the outset that we weren't going to tackle that piece uh, too much this episode. We're going to talk about some of the other areas. So we talked about effectiveness. And Joe gave a really great example here of a client that was changing filters really often and saw the system, looked at their data over time and realized, okay, it's it's seems to be when we're collecting this one given material. And it turns out that material was much more uh, dirty or dusty than the other materials that we shipped to site. And they were actually able to make some operational changes to how they handle their system when they're using that type of material so that their their filters didn't get clogged up and so that the filters work better. So that's some of the ways you can kind of use it, you know, to have a more effective system. We talked about efficiency as well, not having people going on doing measurements by hand as often. And Joe made a really interesting point at the end that we didn't touch on a lot, but was around the triggers for cleaning. So you can have a time-based cleaning system where it's just triggering every and minutes or every end seconds or, or however frequent, however often it's going to happen. But if you tie in a smart system, you can actually have that triggering to pulse uh, or to clean rather when, when it's actually needed. And you may find that you have quite a bit of savings uh, when you do that. And that's another reason to have a more efficient or another way to have a more efficient system when you're looking at these sort of smart plan designs. And then to close off, and this is what I meant by that's sort of the preventive side, effective efficiency, there's all kinds of forward thinking things as well about tying into your other systems, tying into your safety control systems, knowing if sprinklers have gone off, know if vent panels have ruptured. Um, these gives you a, a real-time indication of, do we need to bring firefighters out to the site? Do we need to get employees out of there? Do we need to you know, let people know not to turn on certain pieces of equipment? Can it be all interlocked? Um, these are all questions that come up with these sort of smart systems as we start to put them in place and develop them. So I do want to thank Joe for coming on the podcast. So I always want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. Appreciate everything that each of you are doing in the industry is handling combustible dust, making them safer every day with the work that you do. 